Hey, welcome to Casually Artful. My name is Stephanie Lee, and I am your host of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as we jump into this first episode. This podcast has been a dream of mine for a really long time, and it's one of those projects that I kept putting off or deciding that it wasn't the right time or that I couldn't do it because or making a lot of excuses for the reasons why I couldn't pursue this thing that had been burning a hole in the back of my brain. I just figured that that was a really good place to start. Why not start by just simply starting by doing it? And I know that there's a lot to unpack there with things like that. And, you know, people have schedules that they have to maintain and kids that they have to tend to and jobs that they have to, you know, go to to pay their bills. And that's a really real thing. But I still think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to wait for the perfect moment to do something. And I hate to break it to you, but that perfect moment doesn't exist. So welcome to my first episode on how to start. Since we're already on the topic of perfectionism, I figured that's a good place to start. Recently, I've learned that perfectionism was the thing that was killing my productivity. I felt like it had to be perfect or it couldn't be done at all. I also felt like I had to wait for the most ideal conditions to do something. I had to wait until the situation was perfect and the stars aligned and I felt inspired. And that's just simply not the case. I've had to remind myself that done is better than perfect most of the time, which is honestly the approach that I'm taking with this podcast. This is going to be something that I'm going to grow through. It's going to be something that Hopefully, I'm going to be able to make changes. I'm going to develop a taste and a preference for the way that I like to do things. By welcoming all of that, by welcoming the growth through your craft as you perfect it, as you do it, as you practice it, it really does help to eliminate that feeling where everything needs to be perfect all the time. Another thing that's helped me to create more things that I'm proud of and to work on more projects is to stop waiting for the if this, then that. What I mean by this is Sometimes I put pressure on myself to complete a certain task before I can allow myself to be creative or before I can allow myself to work on projects because in my eyes they're seen as fun. One time I told myself that I couldn't paint until I organized my closet and I didn't paint for eight months. And I've realized now looking back on that, that I didn't make any art and I still didn't organize my closet So, and I get it. I get it. You're a planner. I'm also a planner, which is why I thought that the if this, then that was working for me, but it was being so counterintuitive to what I was actually trying to do in the end, which is create more. Once I started allowing myself to create when I felt creative and to organize when I felt organizational and to clean when I felt productive in that way, everything became so much easier for me to get things done. There will be times where you can't create a single thing until you organize, until you clean, until you reset your space, until you do all of those things that you have to do in order to feel calm enough and clear-headed enough to be creative, to be bored a little bit. And while we're talking about creativity striking, you have to act on that strike of creativity as you get it. And that's why songwriters scribble lyrics on napkins. There are so many projects that I have started and abandoned because I didn't get them out of my brain in time. My notes app is a graveyard for ideas that I've had. I feel like I'm going to come back to it. I never do. It's, it's pointless to just hold on to an idea until you've 
done another task. And speaking of the notes app, I just feel like I need to say it on behalf of everyone who's a planner. I know, I know we're all planners here. We feel like it needs to come out on paper first. You've written enough lists. You've planned it out. You've you've put it down. You've put it in a chart. It's on your iPad, in your digital planner. It's everywhere. You've done it. You just need to act on it. I want you to know that I have planned out this episode of the podcast in three different notebooks already, and I have no idea where any of those notebooks are because I planned it out and I waited for the perfect moment to be able to sit down and record when I felt inspired and like I could put all of these thoughts together cohesively when they were already right there and I could have done what I needed to do. And it's important to not beat yourself up over how much time you've wasted. But at the same time, think about all the time you've wasted. I truly believe that if you can hold yourself accountable to the way that you're spending your time, that you'll be more self-aware about the way that you spend your time. If you are a planner and you've planned it out, stick to the plan. Do it. After you wrote it down, start. That might seem a little bit more daunting than it actually is. Like the hardest part is just getting up and doing it. The hardest part is getting to the gym. The hardest part <laughs> is figuring out what you're going to paint. I've kind of realized that it's it's that simple, you know, and it doesn't have to be perfect. And it's okay if you're bad at it, I've realized. You know, no one said you had to be good at your hobbies. No one said you had to have a certain skill level to share your stuff online if that's what you want to do. And I think to really feel connected with your craft, you just have to do it. You have to play with it. You have to be bad at it. You have to be willing to learn and to grow through it. And I've learned that I've had to be intentional about setting aside time to do that. I love time blocking. I've had to block off time on my calendar, physical time from 3 to 6 p.m. on a Friday, every Friday, to sit down and actively work on a project, to actively set aside time to make sure that it doesn't get lost in the rest of my life. I've learned that there is no ideal time for something like this. You just have to set aside that time and be really protective of it in order to get it done. And like we've already covered, when you wait too long, you lose things. The ideas just don't spark the same as when you first had them. Something else that I've had to tackle in order to get to this point of actually recording and posting this podcast is my own fear of perception. You know, I've had to tackle feelings of being too novice at something to feel like I can participate or partake in that conversation or to produce a podcast or to do any of those things. But one thing that I've learned is that you have to trust your own intuition and your own judgments and tastes when it comes to things. I've had this mic that I'm recording this podcast on for five years, and I'm now getting around to it. You have to tell yourself that you know what you're doing and that no one else does it like you for a reason, because this is your style. This is your brand. This is how you do things. And it's good that it doesn't exist anywhere else yet, that you haven't been able to identify your own style in anything else. You're a pioneer. You know what you're doing. I have to remind myself of that every day. I had to remind myself of that before I sat down to record. I'm gonna have to remind myself of this when I sit down to post it. You know what you're doing. And if your fear of being perceived as not experienced or your fear of being perceived as bad at something is coming from what if the people that I know see this? I hope they do. And I hope that they're super excited and ecstatic that you've started something new. 
And if you're worried about embarrassment for posting online or that your coworkers are going to see it, just remember that they're not being as hard on you and judging your craft as hard as you are. They're not sitting there scrutinizing your TikTok video for all of the mistakes you made on your painting or in your song. And also remember that this fear of perception is so manageable, it doesn't have to derail the whole project. If it's a matter of stage fright, just remember you don't have to be in the video. You don't have to show your face or to talk if public speaking is not your thing. Just think about all the DJs, the DJ behind a mask, like Marshmallow or... I don't think I knew what Seal looked like for the first like 10 years of her career. You don't have to be the person in your content. There doesn't even have to be people in your content. And I think that it's important to remember that your product is only as good as your marketing efforts towards it. So it's important to still be creative. Posting about your product once, your art project once, your song once is not going to get it where you want it to go. Making only one song and posting about it is only going to get you so far. So even if you have to, block your neighbor on Instagram and post your art. I've learned that embarrassment is a wasted emotion. And I know our new trendy self-help topic is being delusional, to be Delulu. And a perfect example of that is your ex-boyfriend posting his SoundCloud links. You can post your art. It's okay to be a little Delulu sometimes. Take this podcast, for example. There are so many things that are going to change about this as I make more episodes. I'm going to create a structure. I would love to have more segments. I would love to see a questionnaire segment on this. Unfortunately, no one's going to ask me questions about a podcast that doesn't exist yet. So we're freestyling until then. But the best part about that is that we get to see what works and what doesn't. I think it's important to leave you guys with some actionable steps that'll help you and some food for thought. So those are the two segments that we're about to actually get into. Actionable steps. What have we already covered that we can implement today? So let's circle back a little bit. The first thing that you can do to be more intentional about creating more or, you know, learning more about your craft or, you know, just investing in that a little bit more is to block off some time. So you can always open your calendar right now. Look at your schedule. See what's available. When you're looking at your calendar, if you've got a good chunk of time or if there's like a certain period of the week where you just know that you end up in this weird slump where you spend three hours on TikTok let's maybe start by spending an hour of that time reading some material about what we're trying to learn about or about what we're trying to pursue. Watch a YouTube video. Let's consume some content that is actually going to help us or inspire us anyways. And then we're going to take the other two hours of that time and we're going to block it off and we're going to actually create some stuff. If that same time is available next week, we're going to block off next week too. And then we're going to actually show up for ourselves at that time and do what we plan to do. And I know it's so easy to be able to do something else or for the week to pull you away. The thing is, is you show up to work when your boss tells you to and you're on time. So if it's easy for you to be that responsible for the obligations other people have set for you, I think that you can do it for yourself too. Second step on the road to living a creative lifestyle is acting on your creative impulses. Yes, I know I talked about the notes app graveyard. It might have to go in your notes app if you're at the grocery store. But during that time that you blocked off is a time that you can look to revisit that to maybe see what we can do to start that project sooner rather than later. I would bet you money you already have all the supplies you need. And if you really want to kick it into overdrive, start it as soon as you get home. At least sketch it out, 
write about it, make your little list that I was just talking about. Do something that puts you on the path of completing that. I've learned that with productivity, it's one of those things where once you get the ball rolling, once you do one thing, then you can do another and another and another, and it becomes so easy. I haven't mentioned this one yet, but our third actionable step that we're going to take is we're going to be really realistic about our timelines. We're not going to expect ourselves to have a whole chapter of our book written or five blog posts done in one night. And there are going to be days where you do accomplish that and you're on a roll and it's going to feel so awesome. But that can't be the standard. You can't be expected to to push out a whole painting in one night. The paint won't even dry in time. And by putting those kind of unrealistic expectations on yourself, that's how we end up in this rut where I feel like if I don't have the time to create this perfectly, to finish it, to do any of those things, then I can't do it at all. Remember, it's okay to have unfinished projects. If you're not realistic about your deadlines that you've set for yourself, if you're not realistic about the pace of your project, you're going to burn yourself out. And I'll make a whole episode on burnout and how to avoid it, how to recover from it, the whole nine yards. But you're doing this because it's fulfilling to you. You're doing this because you enjoy it. You're doing it because you feel incomplete without it. So don't let it be the thing that consumes you to the point where you can't do that or anything else. We're going to be super realistic and we're going to understand what we're capable of and we're going to be really soft with ourselves. We're just going to show up when we said we would and we're going to try our best. Okay, so we're time blocking. We're listening to our creative impulses. We're being realistic about deadlines. Okay, awesome. So that's three things that you can do today to feel more in control of your creative career. Now I like to leave you with a little bit of food for thought. This is a segment that can double as great journal prompts. And I've journaled about a lot of these things, to be honest. It's really helped me to gain some clarity. I love to put pen to paper and just figure it out. It's very therapeutic for me. But so many of my journal prompts have often started with just really small tidbits and conversation that have stood out to me. So maybe let's just start super light and easy. This is one that I thought about earlier today, and it's because I've been thinking about this piece of art for like a month. So I like to often reflect and see what's inspiring me right now. And obviously, as this podcast progresses, I'll turn it into a whole segment about inspiration and about things that I've been facing and going through. But for now, let's start here. I want you to think about the last time that you saw a piece of art that really resonated with you for like more than a day, for like more than a couple days. I can think of two off the top of my head. And remember, this can be about anything. There's no such thing as good art and there's no such thing as bad art. Art makes you feel something or it doesn't. Boy, when I tell you about the feelings that I felt about this one piece of art, it's called Ophelia. I hope I'm not about to butcher this artist's name. It's by Nandifa Muntambo. It's laid at the Norville Foundation in South Africa. Nandifa is a South African artist. And Ophelia is from Hamlet. I can't believe I'm about to give a spoiler alert for Shakespeare, but spoiler alert, I'm about to tell you how it ends. It's kind of a scorned woman situation, basically. She's supposed to be really young. She's like 14, like everybody else from that era. But Hamlet tells her he loves her, professes his love to her, makes a whole big thing, and then quickly rescinds that and starts being really mean to her. Her brother lives somewhere else, like France. Hamlet kills her dad. Actually supposed to be like living with Hamlet at this time. um, And she might be pregnant. That's kind of how they leave it. And just dealing with all of that, and then also being rejected by Hamlet, and then her father dying. She's like driven to insanity uh, from the grief. And at the end, she drowns 
it, you know, she climbs a tree and the tree breaks and she drowns. And there's some speculation as to whether it was suicide or whether it was simply an accident. But either way, Ophelia is supposed to be this extremely tragic story of mental health in women. And yeah, after Ophelia dies in the play, there's some speculation around whether she killed herself or whether it was an accident. And because of that, they are hesitant, I guess, to give her a Christian burial. So she doesn't actually get that great of a funeral. And this artist has done such a great job of invoking so much feeling in a piece. And there's already a really emotional painting of Ophelia laying in the river. Um, and it's by John Everett Millay. Nandifa's version, she's laying in a bathtub and it's just so beautiful. And I actually don't think she's laying in the bathtub anymore. Um, at the Norval Foundation, I watched them put out a video of them move her from the bathtub to a marsh, like an actual body of water. Oh my god, I almost cried. It's on my bucket list to see that in person one day. Whenever I see other pieces of art have such a really profound impact like that, especially on me because like I'm stone cold, I don't know why, <laughs> it makes me retrospectively evaluate my own art and how I can invoke that feeling for other people or even for myself really. I love art that makes me think, damn, what's my art doing? If you're not familiar with Hamlet or Nandifa's Ophelia, or John Everett Millay's Ophelia, you should definitely check all three of those things out because they're cornerstone pieces of arts and literature. I feel like the Hamlet talk was really heavy because there's just a lot of really deep topics, but there's another piece of art recently that has also stuck with me for multiple days. I saw this one on TikTok um, by the artist, the at is wilkes.studio, wilkes with an E. I think she's based out of New York. This one was real simple, but I don't know why it was so profound to me. She took a canvas and she covered it to make it look like the top was covered in frosting. And then in actual birthday candles, she spelled out some words. The painting reads, I'm glad we don't talk anymore, but I still think about you on your birthday. I don't know why, but that just really stuck with me because there are so many people that I don't talk to anymore that I still think about on their birthdays. It stuck with a lot of people too, because that video really blew up. I think she made an actual birthday card for it and you're supposed to light it on fire afterwards. That was another thing. She lit the candles on fire. It was so beautifully done. And that's just one thing that I can appreciate about content creation is that it really allows you to capture so many beautiful moments about your art that other people will appreciate just as much as you do. I don't know. And then you get to look back and watch your video of you in the zone doing your thing. I'm trying to be better about it too. And really appreciating other people doing a really good job of that has been helping me. Which was the whole purpose for me going on that long rant about Hamlet. Since I went on a tangent, I'll repeat the question now that I've given you my answer. Think about it. And maybe, and if it's cool and you want to start a conversation about this, maybe you'll DM me your answer to this question on Instagram. It's at fried kiwis with two eyes at the end. I'll put it in the show notes, but here it is. What was the last piece of art that really resonated with you for like more than a day? What was the last piece of art that changed your life? Really appreciating other people's art really helps me to, to really love my own art too. So like, I hope this is helpful to someone. That's why I read a lot of books. I love books. I want to talk about books on here too, but maybe not today because I already spent 20 minutes talking about Hamlet. Okay, on to our next piece of food for thought. This is a really good one because it's not as hard of a question, I think. It's not making you rely on your memories. It's a really simple question too, but it's a great journal prompt. 
um, what are my limiting beliefs in regard to my success or my career or my craft or fill in the blank with whatever word applies to you? For me, I'm talking about this in context of my art and in the context of content around my art. This could be about you and your music, you and your writing, you and your career, you and your small business, anything. Because I found that limiting beliefs are a lot sneakier than we think they are. They almost present themselves as fact. I've had to remind myself that when it comes to problems, like there's always a solution. Sorry for the double negative, but there's never not a solution to your problem. I've had to look at it in the way that there are things that I'm willing to put up with, and then there are things that I'm willing to do about it. And my not being able to find a solution is rooted in my unwillingness to do something about it. So my question is, is it money? Do I feel like I can't afford my crafts or my supplies? Or do I feel like I need more money before I can produce something? For me, I have a couple different mediums. And for me, this really fell in photography. Like I felt like I was not able to keep up with the gear financially because I wasn't investing as much time as I wanted to or I felt necessary to be able to spend that money on that camera. But photography is a medium that I really love and that I'll always enjoy and that it's brought me the most success in my career. So when I finally got sick of spending money on gear, I just switched to film and it brought back a lot of enjoyment for me. If your solution's not that simple, though, start by asking yourself questions like, how can I adapt my technique to leverage what I have already? Or what else can I switch out that's maybe my most expensive and unsustainable medium? Don't be afraid to try a new medium either, but we won't get too crazy today. And if it's not money, is the thing that's causing your problem environmental? Here's a good one for this. This is actually kind of funny. So I just moved back in with my parents, right? But like, I didn't move back into the room that I had. (laughs) I moved into my mom's office, which she has painted lime green. I love you, mom, but goddamn. We have very different tastes when it comes to interior design. Sometimes I feel like this room really limits the content that I can create in it because it's literally the color of a green screen. That could be used to my advantage, but truthfully, like a lot of the times I feel really defeated when I try to film anything in here. On top of that, I have literally everything that I own in this room. I moved out of a two-bedroom apartment and all of my belongings are just in here with me. And I feel really cluttered in here sometimes. Sometimes it's really hard for me to film videos or do anything in here, truthfully. You know how I fixed that problem? I had the revelation that you can paint outside. Outside is beautiful. And I live in Florida. I have really no excuse. I just changed the environment. This is a really manageable problem for a lot of us, if you think about it. I know we have like the pressure to have a really aesthetic apartment in order for your content to be good. But think about the girl. There's a girl on TikTok as well. (laughs) I feel like I'm referencing a lot of TikToks today, but it's my show and I can do what I want. Either way, she's an artist from like LA and uh, her name is like Vita something. I'll find it and I'll, again, probably put it in the show notes. Her whole bit on TikTok is like, this is not the backdrop. I just printed it out. No one said your house had to be aesthetic for you to make good content. You can totally find just one little spot and set it up and invest in it and get a spot that you like filming in front of. Another part of this question is, is it something external? Like, is it a person that's just hating on you, just shitting on your content? Someone that just drains your energy and doesn't make you feel good? Is it someone that doesn't believe that the path that you're taking is a responsible path and it's just a lot to hear or deal with? And is it 
a constant thing? Is it something that happens all the time? And I'm not saying you have to cut these people out of your life. Sometimes that's not feasible. And sometimes that's not the right answer to begin with. But you can definitely find other friends to show your art to people that are going to be more supportive and offer constructive criticism and really help you to grow as an artist and also to build your confidence because that's so important at the beginning. Just find the people that are really trying to be cheerleaders for you in your art and your career. Find the people that are willing to be honest about your art and not about their opinion on your lifestyle or on the lifestyle that art affords you or any of those things. And it's also important to consider whether you're the problem. Maybe sometimes it is you. Sometimes it's negative self-talk it's bad sleeping habits, it's not eating enough to fuel your brain to be creative. If you're a creative, breakfast is so important, actually. Like, so important. You need breakfast to produce serotonin in your gut, which then produces dopamine. If you have ADHD, this is also super important for you. But I mean, no one's creative when they're not really happy or feeling themselves or feeling their best. So If you're having trouble, if you're in a creative rut, maybe try a melatonin and some cereal when you wake up and see if that changes your life. But on that note of melatonin and cereal, it's 4.49 a.m. Thank you so much for spending the last half an hour with me. Obviously, as I grow, this will grow. I'm excited to implement new segments and to honestly lengthen the episode a little bit. Really want it to be valuable. Like I want the things that I'm saying to actually be helpful, you know? Like I want this to be something that resonates with people and and sometimes I have to take my own advice and not push myself harder than I really want to go cuz that's how you make shit art. And while shit art serves its purpose, I know we're here to create good things and reap good things from the things we've created. On that note, I will see you guys next time. Hopefully you uh, actually consider some of the food for thought that I've posed and that I do get some responses back from you guys because I would love to hear about it. If you really enjoyed this episode, please rate it five stars um, on Apple or Spotify or everywhere that it's out. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.